Hello and welcome to the Man Eater Digest podcast. I'm your host, Tico Conley, and I hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. This episode does include videos and comments of former Panhellenic members' personal experiences of racial discrimination, containing harassment, degrading language, and potentially triggering imagery. But to start off, we'll hear from my editor-in-chief, Edna Coletto, and managing editor, Piper Mullins, on their plans for the Man Eater and its future. Good afternoon, Edna and Piper. I'm glad you're here with us today. Could you introduce yourself to us? Hi, I'm Anna Coletto. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Maneater. I'm a journalism and political science major. Hi, I'm Piper Mullins. I am a journalism major and a mm, to-be-determined minor, and I am the managing editor of The Maneater. It's so great to have you here with us. So what are your goals for The Maneater this semester? So I think we focused a lot on building internal and external goals. So within our newsroom, we really want it to be a collaborative learning environment where people feel safe to build a community and grow as a journalist. And then externally as a news organization, I really want us to be a foundational part of the MU experience. Um, we're really fantastic, in my opinion, that we fit into a really specific niche. We exclusively focus on serving the student body and the student interest, which you won't get from other news sources anywhere. Um, we're members of the MU community reporting on the MU community, and I think that that's really fantastic. Additionally, another one of our sort of collective goals that we have for the Manager is that we really want to put some structures in place so that the editorial board doesn't have to sort of reinvent the wheel every year per se. Um, it's, it's a completely student-led organization, and because of that, it sort of becomes very different each and every year, and we hope to sort of implement a structure that unifies and, and at the same time, like, improves upon uh, the sort of pre-existing structures that are what the man-eater is today and sort of just solidify them into something that can be passed down for years after us. So we really have a sort of forward-thinking perspective as well, um, and we hope to implement that with our ed board. Awesome. Okay, so what has been your experience in your new roles so far? Uh, so for me, I started in March of last semester, and it's been a really interesting process in various different stages. So in the spring of last semester, I really focused on hiring an ed board and not being totally by myself um, and figuring out, you know, who are the people who are really going to kick off this team. And then later down the line over the summer, it was a lot of planning with that editorial board, meeting with them, setting up training and figuring out the infrastructure for all of the things that we wanted to accomplish this year. And then now I feel like I'm getting to the part that we've built up to this entire time of we actually have people in the newsroom. We're starting content. We are Piper and I are doing fourth reads all the time and we're just focusing on what our reporters are doing, which is so exciting. It is like the most gratifying thing ever. Like just today, walking into the newsroom and seeing all these new staff members who literally like our ed board has been preparing for it for like five months. Um, it's a really, really cool experience and it's really gratifying as someone who just really wants the newsroom to be the best place um, for anyone who steps into it. I totally agree. And my managing editor origin story is a little bit weird and wacky. Um, I was originally the news editor and then sort of like halfway through the summer, um, I got the managing editor position. And so it was kind of a, a wacky and, you know, whiplash ride <laughs> um, because I was originally preparing for just the news section. And then I had to sort of pivot and start preparing for the next couple of months to 
you know, sort of get the entire newspaper and the entire ed board ready for the new staff members. Um, so I kind of, you know, had to, I, I had my hands in a lot of different things. And um, a lot of like the experience right now has been just being blown away by, because the thing about my transition to managing editor is, you know, I, I used to be very intimately, you know, I could see everything that was going on in the news section. I knew exactly what was happening with that. Um, but now I can truly see the way that the man-eater is this very, like, interconnected body of parts that, like, moves together. Um, it's very easy when you're, like, in one sort of isolated part of the body to only think about that thing. But now in my position, it's really been very cool to see how all of the sections interact together, how, you know, every single staff member and their work affects somebody else's work. It's It truly is a collective thing that we do here. And I don't think that that really struck me until I saw this paper from the perspective of, of the managing editor. So that has been a really um, interesting and, and honestly awesome experience. From Discover Mizzou edition, Anna, you wrote about the various places on campus where you could do several specific things at each spot, like studying, napping, crying, or even go for a hot girl walk. What made you want to write about that? Um, so I'm so glad you asked about that. I don't really get to do much writing in my position, um, which is, you know, I think as it should be. Um, but it was really fun to get to write something for Discover Mizzou. Um, and it was also really fun to write something very lighthearted um, where I tell people where the best place to cry and nap on campus is. But it was actually inspired by a piece in the Discover Mizzou edition when I was a freshman. There was like a where to place that was really helpful for me. It had like the best dining hall. It had bathrooms and stuff like that. But I felt like, at least going into our edition this year, there are tons of maps and, and places where you can figure out where the dining halls are and stuff. But as far as like the locations that really became important to me as a freshman, that took me a second to figure out myself. And so, I mean, I would have loved to open the newspaper and see like, okay, where's the best place to watch the sunset? Where's the best place to like take a walk when I feel like I need to get away from campus? Stuff that's not necessarily on like Mizzou's itemized guide of where to go on campus, but something that people can actually use in their day-to-day -day life. It was fun. What do you hope for the Manator to accomplish this school year? I think this school year, something that um, Anna and I are particularly focused on is sort of part of what she talked about before in our like external goal of making this paper a necessary read for students, not just something that is like fun to read and all of that, but something that truly delivers the news that it should. Um, and the sort of aggressive style of reporting that was the insemination of like what made the Maneater the Maneater and not just like a PR newsletter for Greek life or the university. Um, so I think that we've already done several pieces that are some pretty hard looks at um, some of the largest and oldest institutions at this school, and I think I would love to continue to do that work. I think that is the reporting that is, you know, the hardest to do, but it teaches you the most. We are a learning newsroom, um, so I'm really, really excited to have all of our new staffers who are, you know, already so talented and already so excited to get started on all of this, um, beyond stories that really and truly like make a difference for the student body here, um, and you know, s stories that even administration will read. That's the kind of stories that I think we want to be publishing. Um, and that's what I'm very excited to see come out of the Maneater. Yeah. And also on that same note, like internally, um, 
every month we put out a print edition, right? And I would love for Piper and I and everyone on our ed board, when we go to figure out what's going to be in the print edition, have too many options. Like I would love on an internal basis to just consistently be blown away by the amount the amount of good content that we are putting out, you know, um, it is difficult being a student newsroom because everyone has classes and obligations and a social life. And oftentimes it's really easy to let let our jobs as student journalists like take a back seat. And I would love for all of those stories that Piper talked about to be something that is consistently coming out of this paper that students can consistently rely upon and that us as members of the staff can look to and be exceptionally proud of throughout the entire year. Thank you so much, Anna and Piper, and good luck this year as Editor-in-Chief and Managing Editor. Now we'll hear from former MOVE editor Shannon Worley about her recent article on two former Alpha Chi Omega members and the experiences as black women in the Pan-Hellenic community, written alongside Mizzoustin Media's digital director, Ellie Lynn. Hey, Shannon, and thank you for being here with us today. Can you give us a summary of your article for those who haven't seen it? Absolutely. So the articles um, were a three-part series and kind of dug into different racial issues within the Panhellenic Association here at Mizzou. The first one focused on lack of representation for people of color in the Panhellenic Association, and the second one moved more into just widespread experiences of people in, of color in PHA. And then the third one focused more on two specific stories and experiences of members who were previously affiliated with Alpha Chi Omega, um, and that also included a video element to the story. What were the ethical considerations you had to make while writing about this sensitive topic? Ethical considerations, there were quite a few. Um, first and foremost, we as a writing and editorial team met with a lawyer to kind of go over all the articles and the videos and everything just to make sure that we were sound in doing all the right things and taking all the right steps in making this article. Um, as a member of Greek Life, I also had some ethics to consider. Um, I worked with a co-writer to ensure that I was not interviewing any um, any subjects that I did know and also making sure that I wasn't using any prior knowledge that I would know because of my um, experiences or because of my um, status in my sorority. You're involved in the pan community. Have you witnessed any incidents of discrimination or harassment around you? For sure. Um, I would say that's actually what made me aware of the issue in the first place, or more aware, I should say. I definitely knew that it was a systemic issue and has been around, but I'm um, just seeing it within my own sorority, whether it's microaggressions about someone's race or comments about their um, queer identity or things along those lines, um, it definitely just makes you aware that there's still a lot of room to improve. Absolutely. And what steps do you think should be taken to make the PHA a more welcoming space? I think there are a lot of good steps that have been taken. Um, we've touched on it a bit in the article, but um, I know like the DEI efforts are definitely there, but I think um, definitely representation is a big is a big part of that um, and kind of amplifying those voices and taking the steps to support um, those voices and make them feel like they're actually being heard. Um, I think there are resources, but um, they're often underfunded or it's easier to just not fully deal with issues that come up. Um, so I think funding is definitely an issue. I think um, also just transparency and accountability is something that really needs to improve um, in PHA and in each sorority. What potential impact do you think the story could have on Greek life at Mizzou? 
I think that really depends on the readers. Um, it depends on if they're going to listen to these stories and if they're going to want to make a change. Um, we can only do so much and Carly and Ruth and the rest of our sources can only do so much by sharing their experiences. It's up to um, the Mizzou student body to really listen to them and line up alongside these sources and um, amplify their voices and fight for their right to be in a sorority. Thank you, Shannon, for joining us. Finally, we'll talk with MOVE editor Lucy Valeski about her latest article on Columbia's local musicians. Hi, Lucy. Could you tell us about your article? So I did a piece about um, three local musicians in Columbia. I profiled them. And the piece was um, aimed at showing new students and returning students the different um, local musicians that they could go see while in Columbia. Because music is a huge part of community. And sometimes when you're coming into a community and you don't know who's there, um, it can be kind of challenging. So I wanted to really show off three different genres, three different musicians um, that students could engage with. Awesome. So what did you like about the three R's you talked to? They're all really different, which I really um, enjoyed. I first talked to Meredith Shaw, who is kind of a country folk um, singer-songwriter. Um, it was really cool to talk to her because she went to Mizzou. She has three different degrees from Mizzou, and she actually recently got reinvolved with music in the last um, five-ish years. And this year she's playing um, at Roots and Blues, which is um, very exciting for her, and I just really enjoyed talking to her and talking about her passion and her excitement for being involved in, in the music scene in Columbia. I talked to Josh Runnels, who runs the Mo Soul Collective, or he hosts Mo Soul Collective, um, and it was really cool talking to him because he brings a lot of different artistry to the table. He's a poet. He's worked a lot in Chicago and now in Columbia. It's really cool to see his teaching impact um, in both spaces. And then finally, I talked to Ruby Lane. Um, I talked to Forrest Wilson, who is um, in the band, and it was really cool to interview them and see kind of a band in like a younger perspective on um, how they combine different genres of music. Oh, that's so cool. So in the article, artist Josh Reynolds, who was also referred to as JRTs, said, and I quote, it's for the community to come together and the goal is to pretty much keep building this thing up and let it be here forever. Is that similar to your reasoning for writing this article? Um, yeah, in a way, I think, as I've mentioned, I think local music is a really great way to bring community together. And as I mentioned earlier, I really wanted to show how people, and especially students who's our audience, how they can engage with um, the local artists here. So I think in a way it is that you kind of want to keep building up um, the music community in general in Columbia. Thank you, Lucy, for joining us. And thank you to all who have been following along. Be sure to follow us on our Spotify and our social media pages to keep up the May Eater Digest. I'm Tico Conley, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>